there's this idea floating around out there that the reason that people believe in things like conspiracy theories or that they search for the answer in things that are unsolvable is because as humans we have a need to define what's going on we need we need answers we can't have something just be something and not make sense so we make conspiracy theories we make we make sense out of something that potentially doesn't make any sense it's kind of an odd human condition so when you see something and you can't explain it well then it's it's ufo's or it's the illuminati or it's and if you believe in those things all the power to you I'm not here to debunk whether the Illuminati's real or whether ghosts are real or whether aliens are real. I'm just here to tell you the biggest mysteries that I've found in the music industry. Hi, my name is Dan Lollick and you're listening to Evergrow Podcast. Now, before I get into this episode, I want to be clear that in all these things I'm going to talk about, I reserve judgment. I'm not really saying either way which is right or wrong. So if you believe one way, perfect. If you believe the other way, great. I'm not going to tell you which way to think about all these things we're going to talk about. It's up to you to decide. All I'm doing is sharing the interesting story I came across. So with that said, Let's jump into the very first one. Through the mid to late 60s and into the 70s, there was a band by the name of The Doors. The lead singer of this band's name was Jim Morrison. And Jim Morrison died on July 3rd of 1971, which would make him part of the 27 Club. The cause of death was heart failure, probably due to the heroin that Jim Morrison used to do. Now, this all seems good and well, But here's where the mystery jumps in. No autopsy was ever done on Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison died in 1971, so I would assume at that point in time, autopsies were pretty regularly done. And especially in cases where it was a celebrity. You look at uh, the death of Elvis Presley, and an autopsy was done there. So why wasn't one done for Jim Morrison? Maybe the idea was just that They kind of knew why he died, and they didn't really need to do an autopsy to figure it out. But, to be fair, artists dying of drug overdoses was not a completely obscure thing. Many artists have died of drug overdoses. Let's get into where it gets really kind of odd. We'll start first with his death and then move forward from there. So when they found Jim Morrison, Jim Morrison was found by his girlfriend, by the way, He was found dead in his bathtub of the apartment that him and his girlfriend rented in Paris. Now, maybe the idea was was that he did some heroin, was having a bad reaction to it, ran himself a hot bath to try and reverse the effects of the heroin, and that didn't work. He passed away, and then his girlfriend found him. Absolutely plausible. Another theory that people have is that he would frequent a club known as the Rock and Roll Circus Club. And one night he went down there to meet up with his dealer, get some heroin, and he immediately took it, went to the washroom to do some heroin, and 
promptly passed away in the washroom of this nightclub. And the drug dealer and the nightclub owner decided, well, we don't want to have this kind of publicity or, or bring this kind of attention to ourselves. So we're going to take him and put him in his bathtub at home. And that's another completely plausible theory. It is entirely not beyond reason to assume that, hey, maybe he did do that. He went to a club, got some heroin, overdosed, and his body was put in his bathtub. The more interesting of all the theories that there are is this. Some people believe that Jim Morrison faked his own death. Have you ever heard of the name Bill Lawyer? Well, I'm willing to bet that you haven't. The idea is, is that there's a guy named Bill Lawyer, and Bill Lawyer lives in Oregon. He lives on a ranch. He's married to a quite successful uh, doctor. He raises horses, and... Oh yeah, he's Jim Morrison. You see, the idea is is that Jim Morrison, feeling like his life was in danger, that there was somebody going to kill him, decided to fake his own death of a overdose, and then promptly disappeared. And if you're a celebrity who wants to not be found or disappear, oh yeah, you go to Oregon, because nobody will ever find you there. You ever played Oregon Trail? You can't even get through there without breaking a wheel, getting malaria or killed by the cold. The idea, though, is that Jim Morrison faked his own death. He moved to Oregon, started building this ranch. He got married, had a couple kids, and just started living this life of this ordinary person, which made it harder and harder to kind of go back to that celebrity lifestyle that he once had. Makes one really wonder if Jim Morrison's actually dead or not. But he won't be the first celebrity we touch on on this list that may or may not be dead. Kind of a big old foreshadowing there. Anyways, moving on to the next item on our list. Who of you knows what the Illuminati is? Well, if you don't, don't worry, I'm going to explain it to you right now. It is believed that there's a group of people. They're called the Illuminati, and they are the richest and most powerful people in the world. And because of that, because they have so much power and so much money, they literally control everything in the world. Whether it's the cost of something or the power over something else, who wins what, who does what, is all controlled by the Illuminati, apparently. And that even goes into the music industry. Now, do keep in mind, as I'm trying to explain this to you, um, if you believe in the Illuminati, or if you don't believe in the Illuminati, I'm just trying to explain kind of the things that are presented that might play a role in whichever it may be. So the idea is, is that this Illuminati controls the music industry. Of course, the Illuminati are supposed to be these powerful people, so why wouldn't they, of course, also control the music industry? Now, there's a bunch of things that represent the Illuminati, one of them being this thing called the All-Seeing Eye. If you ever look at a American $1 bill, there's a pyramid with a, the top of it is sectioned off, and on that has an eye, All-Seeing Eye, and that that is a symbol to basically say that the Illuminati own American money. Now, I don't want to get too much into it because I don't want to try and explain too much because the Illuminati in itself is a very deep subject that you guys could kind of look up all on your own and find tons and tons of stuff. Whether you're going to believe it or not, completely up to you. 
And because this idea is so vague, I'm going to try and explain it, just bring it back a little bit and explain it all over again, see if you're kind of following what I'm saying here. So the idea is that there is a group called the Illuminati, and that the Illuminati are made up of the most richest and powerful people in the world. And because they are the most richest and powerful people in the world, they control literally everything, up to and including the music industry. Now, where the mystery about it all comes into play is that, is there clues presented in music that try to bring to our attention that the Illuminati is in control, or that the Illuminati is making some people more famous than others, or um, modifying record sales, all these different things. And there's little things that happen all the time that lead people to believe that, yes, there's people in the music industry that are part of the Illuminati, or whether they're not like the richest and most powerful, but they were brought in, or there's people who are shunned by them, or the Illuminati makes certain albums popular, and they then become best-selling albums despite the fact that their album's not that good. But let me all explain this in a way that you'll kind of understand. Now, you are an individual. You feel that the music that you choose to listen to, the artists you like and the artists you don't like, are selected by you. You listen to music and you're like, oh, I like this artist, I like what they represent, and I like how they sound. What if I was to tell you that all of that is completely make-believe? That you are not selecting the kind of music you like. Somebody else is selecting it. A group of other people who are influencing everything that you like in music to boast the careers of people that are within their circle and to destroy the careers of people who are not. This is essentially how the Illuminati works. And of course, because of that, there's going to be artists who are part of the Illuminati who will then be popular and because of their popularity will influence all of music. It's been said for a long time that the Illuminati has a lot of ties into the rap music industry, which is why rap music so commonly refers to the Illuminati or represents them in some way. And it's been said that artists like Rihanna, Jay-Z, Kanye West are all part of the Illuminati. Now, okay, let's say that we have a bunch of artists who are now influencing what you listen to. Well, fine then. I'll just go with another record company. I'll go with another artist. But what if I were to tell you that all the record labels, all of them put together, when you siphon it up to the top, are all owned by the same thing? That you have record labels like Interscope and all those guys, they are all owned by a bigger corporation above them that owns all the record labels. So that all the profits from all music funnels to them. Have you heard of a company called UMG? UMG owns quite a few record labels, so much to the fact that they accounted for 36% of all the profits in the music industry. That's a lot. It's almost half. The CEO of this company is known as one of the most powerful people in the world. If he doesn't like you, he can end your music career just as quickly as it started. But UMG being as powerful as it is, isn't even the top of the iceberg. UMG is owned by a company called Vivendi. And Vivendi is one of the most powerful companies in the world, and the most profitable. 
right upwards of about $40 billion. The CEO of Vivendi is a guy by the name of Vincent Ballore, who is the 201st richest guy on the planet, worth about, eh, about $6 billion himself. And it's said that he is part of the Illuminati. And him, along with another person by the name of Li Ka-Shing, who is a huge shareholder in Spotify and is worth right around $26 billion, and Len Blavatnik, who is the CEO of Access Industries. And Access Industries is the company that owns Warner Music. That the three of these guys essentially control all of music. They don't care about Lil Wayne or Jay-Z or any of that stuff. All they care about is focusing everybody into spending money in the music industry that's going to make them more money, give them more power, and keep you firmly in control of what they want you to do. It's kind of a daunting idea, don't you think? <sighs> I don't know about you guys, but my mind, it hurts. I want to go to sleep after going through all that with you. So, let's put the Illuminati, I don't know, back to listening to what we all talk about, and we'll move on to the next one. The next on our list comes to us from a band called Led Zeppelin. Now, I'm sure you know who Led Zeppelin is, and if you don't, they're a rock band that became famous in the mid-60s, early 70s. They also made a very, very popular song known as Stairway to Heaven. Now, the mystery here is that some people believe that Led Zeppelin's popularity came from a deal that the band made with the devil. So, let's get into the story. And really, this all starts with Jimmy Page becoming interested in somebody by the name of Aleister Crowley. Now, I don't know if you guys know who Aleister Crowley is, but if you look him up, he is well known for being an occultist, Satan-worshipping, all-around terrible guy. So stay with me here. Once Jimmy Page was kind of really interested in all this stuff that Aleister Crowley was kind of into, he started collecting a lot of occult books, a lot of stuff that made references to Crowley. And after a car accident in 1970, and not long after another accident involving his car that broke his ribs, Jimmy Page enlisted the help of his bandmates to help him with... Um, kind of a spell, so to say, to help him feel better so that they could perform and that they could continue to make music. And after a bit of convincing, the rest of his band agreed that they would help him perform this spell to help him out. Everyone, that is, except for John Paul Jones, who didn't want to have anything to do with this spell that was going to happen. And apparently, whatever it is that they did worked. But then these occult kind of references started making their way into the band's music, whether on their records. When Led Zeppelin III was released, written into the vinyl were two phrases made famous by Aleister Crowley. The first was, do what thou wilt, and the second was, so mote it be. Then there's the idea of the mysterious appearance of the song Stairway to Heaven. And as the story for that kind of goes is that Robert Plant is writing some music. In writing music, he ends up falling asleep. When he wakes up, in front of him 
is the song Stairway to Heaven. He then takes it and they start producing the song Stairway to Heaven without knowing who wrote it. it they just, everybody assumes it was written by Robert Plant. Moving on, though. So as time goes on, within the next year, Jimmy Page, who is still quite interested in the occult, goes to an auction to buy some artifacts of Aleister Crowley's. He ends up buying a house that was formerly owned by him in Loch Ness. The house itself is known to be a church that burned down to the ground with everybody still inside of it. And then Aleister Crowley turned it into a house, and then Jimmy Page bought it. Now, truth be told, Jimmy Page only stayed there as the equivalent of about six weeks in the 20-some-odd years that he owned the house. And the reason for that was that he thought that the house was haunted. So, he enlisted the help of somebody that he had met not long before that, a guy by the name of Kenneth Anger. Now, you probably don't know who he is, but we'll move on. Kenneth cleanses the house, and in return, Jimmy Page says, okay, you know what, I'll help you do the soundtrack for this movie that he was doing. And that movie was called Lucifer Rising, which was a hugely occult movie. Now, by all the time all this has happened, Led Zeppelin themselves have now brought out Led Zeppelin IV, which contained this song, Stairway to Heaven. It also was the point in which Led Zeppelin went from being Led Zeppelin to now being represented by a bunch of symbols that nobody really could understand, and then they asked about them. The explanation was given that they were found in a book of symbols, and then they just kind of all picked symbols that they felt they attached to. And this was the literal height of their career. Now it's at this point where it's that kind of middle ground where it's like, okay, now they've become the most famous band in the world, now it's time to pay their dues to the devil for making them that popular. And how this is all explained is in this idea that this guy, Kenneth, he's making this movie. And everything and its dog gets in the way of making this movie. The kid who was set to play the child version of Lucifer kills himself, throws himself out, out the window. Then the actor who was set to play teenage Lucifer ends up being involved with the Manson murders, and he is arrested and sent to jail. The guy who is doing some of the film work steals a whole bunch of the film and takes off with it. And when Jimmy Page presents Kenneth with these versions of the soundtrack, Kenneth doesn't like it at all. And that begins to generate those two's relationship. And it ends up in a big blow-up where this guy flames Led Zeppelin publicly, but apparently curses them privately. And from that point on, this strange series of events starts happening that one person could believe is a whole bunch of coincidence and another person could believe absolutely is debts paid being done. In 1975, Robert Plant was in a car accident in Greece. It nearly killed him, his wife, and his kid, and forced the cancellation of some of their tour. The other part of the tour was met with a, just a ton of bad things happening. Plant got laryngitis. Uh, the band lost a bunch of their instruments and was forced to go on, you know, without having time to rehearse. There was a riot at one of their shows in Cincinnati. And while out there, Plant's child got sick. 
and although he had all the money in the world, all the physicians who went to see his son couldn't figure out what was wrong with him, and his son passed away. Neither Page or Bottom showed up to Plant's son's um, funeral, and that caused Plant to leave the band. But the band was kind of already imploding as it was. Jimmy Page was nearly comatose every day because of his heroin addiction. And then there's Bonham. Bonham got so drunk one day at a rehearsal, he was taken home, put in bed because he was so drunk, and died in his sleep uh, from choking on his own vomit from being that drunk. And it seemed like so quickly, this blade cut through Led Zeppelin and destroyed the whole band. Is it the work of their deal with the devil, or is it just the fact that they were one of the biggest bands in the world and unable to deal with that. No one will really know for sure, but let's dig right into the next one. So, I'm going to go ahead and guess that you guys, smart little cookies that you all are, know who Jay-Z is. Probably one of the most famous rappers in the world. He's one of the most famous rappers in the world, but I'm sure you guys all knew that, smart cookies that you all are. But did you know that he must have a DeLorean because he can travel through time? So the story goes like this. The New York Public Library's Schomburg Center for Research into Black History put from its archives a picture on Facebook taken in 1939 by a guy by the name of Sid Grossman called Harlem Loiterers. And in this picture is a black man who looks identical in every way, including swagger, to Jay-Z. If you don't believe me, feel free to Google Jay-Z time travel and you will find the picture very, very quickly and you tell me. And if you want to be freaked out even more by it, he does reference all that in Empire State of Mind, which he wrote in 2010. So go ahead and take a look at that and freak out for a little bit. Moving on to the next one. Now, out of all of musicians, it's very common to run into a situation where something will happen and a lot of conspiracy starts kind of mulling around. Well, is this artist dead? Are they not dead? Did they fake their own death? We just went through one at the very beginning of this list with Jim Morrison. And we're going to touch on another one with Elvis Presley. During his career, he was one of the most popular musicians of all time. And even now, long after his death, a lot of people believe that Elvis Presley didn't die, and that instead Elvis Presley went into hiding. A lot of kind of, there's a lot of different variations of why people believe that. One of the more common ones is that they felt like he had these ties in with the mafia, and that in order to not get killed by the mafia, he then went into hiding and became part of the witness protection program. And some of the things that they used to prove that is things like on Elvis Presley's grave, his middle name's purposefully misspelt. Instead of a double A-R-O-N, it's just A-R-O-N. And that the reason that it's done like that is so that he's not being kind of taboo about putting his own name on a grave because it's not technically his name. But the fact that not only his fans, but all these people who believe that he's still alive have been carrying that on for over 40 years is either quite a testament to his fans, or it's the fact that 
he's still alive. Because as much as there is, there's going to be a fandom and there's going to be a group of people that are like, oh, hey, you know, uh, uh, this artist died, but I think that they're still alive. With Elvis Presley, it seems very common that people are like, oh, I saw Elvis here. I saw Elvis here. I got a picture of Elvis here. There's websites filled with, oh, well, look, it's Elvis. Look, it's Elvis. Much more than any other artist who have, you know, air quotes passed away. So could it be true that Elvis is still alive or could it not be? Who really knows? Anyways, that's going to be it for this episode. But I split the whole mysteries of music into two episodes. So the second episode will be coming soon with the other half of this top 10 list. So stay tuned and I'll catch you guys next week and we'll continue growing together.